And so um, for those of you that do not know, Landon is out of the country. He's in Argentina this week uh, teaching in a seminary. And so um, today, um, whether you knew it or not, you get to hear about our latest adventures to Kenya. And so we had a great trip uh, to Kenya. Um, we, we had a, a really good time. A lot of ministry was done. Um, and as I'm in Kenya, um, more and more, I continue to ask myself um, the same question um, when we're there because there's a difference between our culture and the Kenyan culture. Just, there's just a big difference. And one of the things that you see immediately when you interact with the people in Kenya, especially in the church, is they know who Jesus is and they love Jesus, and they have a passion and a desire to worship Jesus like, like you don't see here in the United States. Um, and that's something that jumps out to me all the time, every time we go and encounter our Kenyan brothers and sisters. Um, as you travel the world, you see many different types of religions. There are lots of different religions here in the States, but you don't really see them as much, especially around here in our little corner we call West Texas, you don't see them as much as you do when you travel the world. Um, when you drive down the street in, in Kenya, you see the Muslim mosques, you see tribal um, religions, cults, different things. And so when you travel the world, especially in, in a developing country, a third world, you see, or more in, in tuned, I guess, to the different types of religions and the different types of people that are out there. And so... Um, one of the things that I find interesting is a lot of these religions will identify who Jesus is. They acknowledge that he was a man that was on this earth, but they don't recognize him as the Messiah. They don't recognize him as the one that God had promised uh, the people of the Old Testament that he would eventually um, send someone. Um, and so they don't recognize Jesus as that man. Some see him as a prophet. Some saw him as just a guy who was, uh, did good things for different people. And others um, believe that he was just, it was just a fairy tale, that um, there were stories and fables that were wrote about him, but he really maybe didn't even exist. And so uh, my question today, as we start to, to share about Kenya and what we do in Kenya and the ministry that we have in Kenya, my question for you today, the church, is who is Jesus? Um, you know, as we, as we see in Mark and, and some of the other Gospels, uh, Jesus was performing miracles, and he, would, he had just fed uh, the 5,000. He had just um, healed a man of blindness, and as Jesus and the disciples were walking, um, Jesus says, you know, who do people say that I am? You know, and so what I want to do is I want to read some scripture to you real quick. Uh, it's in Mark uh, 27, and you're getting tag teamed today. You got me up here and you got my son in the booth. So if it screws up, we can't blame nobody else. So, uh, so I just want to, before we really get into what we, what we do in Kenya, I just want to share this with you. And again, this is, Jesus had been, had been performing some miracles. And as he's walking with his disciples, he asks them the question, who do people say that I am? And it's right here. It's uh, Mark 8, 27. And it says, and Jesus, Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and others just one of the prophets. And he asked them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered him. He says, you are the Christ. 
and he strictly charged them not to tell anyone about them. Uh, a couple years ago, I can't remember, I lose track. That was like our theme verse at Student Life Camp. And so as we talked about who is Jesus, who do you say Jesus is, uh, it becomes very apparent that um, we need to answer that question. Uh, as, as you see, uh, interact daily with other people and you interact with, with Jesus, we have to answer that question, who is Jesus? Who do you say that I am? And when we answer that question, uh, it's either one way or the other. It's Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the man that, that God prophesied about, that God used his prophets to talk about, that one day Jesus would walk on this earth and that he would be uh, crucified. He would be um, killed and buried and in three days rose again. And so my question and my, my prayer for you is that when that question is asked of you, uh, when somebody says, who is Jesus? Who do you say that Jesus is? I hope you can say he is the Christ. He is the one that, that we place our hope in. He is the one who has made us right with God again. And so the Kenyan people really bring that out, and, and, and I know in me and others, because they are so passionate about Jesus. You see, when you live in a, cultural, in a culture where so much of what you do depends on faith, um, faith that your garden will grow so you can eat. Faith that um, your cows will produce milk so that you can have things to nourish um, your children and your family. Um, your faith in Jesus becomes more and more, and you become less and less. And that's my prayer for us as a church. As we dive into third world missions and we dive into uh, other things in the world, I pray that Jesus becomes more and more and we become less and less. And so me as your missions pastor, my prayer for our missions program is that as we go and encounter this world that Jesus has commanded us to go into, um, I pray that we become less and less and Jesus becomes more and more. And I, and I want to promise you that the number one goal of our missions ministry and in missions in Kenya is that the gospel would be preached. Never more um, than this year have we preached the gospel more while we were in Kenya. Every opportunity we, we were put in front of somebody, we shared the gospel. And so, um, it, that, that's just, that, that's the key. That's the, the center of what we do. And so, when you answer that question, and I hope and pray that everyone has answered that question, that yes, Jesus, you are the Messiah. You are the Son of, the Son of God. When you answer that question, it demands action, okay? You cannot answer that question like that and then sit back and do nothing. Because as James tells us uh, in the book of James is that your faith, your faith in Jesus will produce good works, okay? And one of the, th and one of the ways that our church is producing good works and, and our missions team is producing good works is partnering with Houses with Hope uh, in Kenya. And so um, as, we, as we transition, I don't, you get to hear me talk more than I need to talk. And so I'm really, really, really excited that We've got three people that are going to share with you today about their personal experiences in Kenya and kind of what they encountered and what it has impacted their families themselves as well. Um, but I, I do want to do one thing um, before, we, before we move on. I just want our Kenya team, any, any, it doesn't matter which year, if you went in the first time or the last time, I want you to stand up so people can see who in the church has gone to Kenya and... Um, 
I know a lot are out of town, but there's quite a few here that have traveled to Kenya. And so, thank you. And so, traveling to a third world country can be a scary thing for somebody who does not like to do that. But I promise you, it's like we talked about in Sunday school this morning, when God puts a mission in your heart, uh, you need to fulfill that mission. We talked about Jonah a little bit this morning in our Sunday school class. And so, um, you know, uh, I just got through reading a book by Steve Pfeiffer. It's called The Dream So Big. It's about a family who drags up and moves to Kenya. Um, and one of the things that he talks about is purpose. You know, you have to have a purpose. And um, what is our purpose? What is your purpose as an individual? Good news. Take the gospel to the nations. Uh, that means here, there, everywhere. And one of the things that people get discouraged about is, well, I'm not equipped. I don't, I don't, what do I do? How do I do that? Well, as people can attest who have been, uh, it doesn't really matter because God can use anybody. He loves using anybody's, nobody's. That is what he is good at, and that's what he loves doing. And so as we move forward, um, Sarah Ray is going to speak, um, Francis is going to speak, and then Jason Westfall is going to speak. And so I'm extremely excited about listening to them and what their stories are and how they impacted um, us through through the, through the trip and, and what it looks like on the, on the return trip home. Now, as they're speaking, there's going to be some pictures rolling behind them. And so look at the pictures, but also kind of concentrate on what they're, what they're saying. So you're going to have to kind of double, double task here, multitask. And so I'm going to ask Sarah to go ahead and make her way up here. And we're going to do our best to get you out of here at a normal time, but uh, I'm not promising you anything. <laughs> because when we start talking about Kenya, we can, you know, Kenya, it's, it's bad. You can use this mic here. What's bad is we're talking about church in Kenya, and I wish we could have a Kenya church service because they just start going about three hours into it. You know, they're already, uh, okay, now, now let's just keep going. You know, and they recognize that when we're there. They're like, well, our, our American friends are probably ready to go, and so they kind of, sh- it's only three hours long instead of all day. So um, this is Sarah Ray. Uh, she's married to Chris Ray. Sorry, Sarah, but uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, she's got uh, Josiah and Caleb and Jordan, so there you go, Sarah. Is it on? It's on. Okay. Uh, last year's trip, so 2014, um, as, we pre- we, as we were preparing for that trip, my oldest son, Josiah, bugged us all year long. He really wanted to go with us. Um, and I kept saying, let me go with your dad. Let me see what it's like before I say, yes, you can go with me. So when we got home last summer... Um, I walked into the house, Josiah ran up to me, he gave me a big hug, and he looked up at me, and he said, okay, can I go next year? And so, um, we weren't sure exactly when we got home, but Chris and I prayed about it, we talked with Chris and Lisa, and we decided that we would let Josiah go with us. Um, he's nine, he's sitting over there. So, um, I wasn't too worried about how he would do in country, I, I, I really thought he would do well there. I was more worried about the travel getting there. And, of course, it was the worst travel trip that we've ever, ever had. Um, but he did, he did really well. And so I'm not going to, okay. I'm, I'm mostly going to talk about what uh, Josiah's experience was um, while we were there. Um, he just, it was so neat to see him just come into this new culture um, almost seamlessly. Uh, he made friends everywhere that we went. The pastors loved him. Um, it was really neat to see. But 
there was one day, um, okay, this is Joseph. This is Josiah and Joseph. This was the Monday that we were in the village. And these two guys just hit it off. Um, every time I would look up to see where Josiah was, he was with Joseph. Played all day long. Um, they had a rugby ball that they were throwing back and forth to each other. Uh, and this was right before uh, we were going to do the house dedication. Joe, so it's pretty close to when we were going to leave. And I had them get together, and I said, let me take you guys' picture. Um, what I didn't know that happened was uh, Josiah told me later that night. He said... Um, when we left that day, uh, Joseph just started crying. Uh, he didn't want to say goodbye to Josiah. Um, and Josiah told me, he said, Mom, when you took that picture, Joseph asked me if you were my mom. And then he asked me if my dad was here too. Um, and he said, I don't have a mother or a father. I didn't know. You never know if that's true or not. And you never know, they may have lost one parent, but they haven't lost both parents. You don't really ever know what the situation is. Well, the way that our trip is, works out, we never go back to the same village while we're there. So he never got a chance to see Joseph again. We returned home, and every day, my son would be in tears um, talking about him. We would pray for him at night. Um, he was wondering if he's being taken care of. Um, I, we didn't know where he lived. We didn't know anything about him. So after about a week and a half, I said, okay, bud, I'm going to message JB. And JB is one of the pastors that we work with in Kenya. I sent JB a message, and I said, I sent him this picture. I said, all I know is his name is Joseph. Um, I didn't even know the name of the village. I said, it was the one that we were in on that Monday um, it was close to Lake Victoria, and you and Chris prayed for a guy that had his leg bit off by a hippo. Like, that's how I could explain the village that we were in. <laughs> so um, I said, I want to know who this boy is. I want to know if he really is an orphan. I want to know if somebody's taking care of him. Uh, we want to know if he remembers Josiah, um, and we really want to know if he is a believer or not. This was on a Tuesday when I sent JB that message, and he said, okay, I'll go on Thursday, um, and I will let you know what I find. So JB set out Thursday morning to go to this village. Um, he has a, a motorcycle that he rides. He got three flat tires trying to get to this village. After the third one, he just decided he was going to walk. He walked for two hours um, to get to this village. Um, and he started asking around, and he found Joseph for us. Um, he said that he showed him the picture, this picture. He had printed it off so that he would have it to know what he looked like. Um, and he showed it to Joseph, and he said that he just immediately started crying. And he said, he remembered me? And J.B. said, this boy is the reason I'm here today. You made such an impact on him, and he loves you. He wanted to make sure that you were okay. So we found out that Joseph is an orphan, and he has been for nine years. Um, he lives with his aunt. 
I don't know if it's really his aunt or they call her Mama Benter. Um, and from what I understand, she has several kids, uh, several children that she's raising. Um, I don't know how many yet. Um, we knew that Joseph had not been in school that day because he didn't have his uniform on. So uh, JB had him get his school stuff gathered up, had him put his uniform on, and took him to school. The cool thing is the school that, there he is in school. Um, we had gone to that school that, that Monday and JB was with us that day. So when he took Joseph, the principal knew who JB was. And Mama Benter was not able to pay his school fees, and so he hadn't been in school for several weeks. And so JB said he pleaded with the principal to let him come back to school, and he would figure out a way to settle the school fees. So the principal agreed, and he let him come back. Um, and the principal also let him um, share the gospel of Jesus with several of the students. And he said that when he shared, Joseph was the first one to accept Christ that day. There he is back in school. Um, Josiah, with his own money, we sent, the mo we sent the money over there so that Joseph could be in school. Um, Rana is working with the principal of the school to make sure that all his school fees are paid. We get asked the question a lot. I know Rana gets it all the time. Chris Harrington, I know you get it all the time. Why, why do you go? Why do you spend all this money to fly over there? It's not cheap. Why, why don't you just send the money? Wouldn't it be better spent that way? And that is a valid question. But we miss something very important if we're just sending money. The God that created the whole universe could have done anything he wanted to save us from our sin, but he chose to send Jesus to us so that we could have a relationship with him because there's something very valuable in relationships and very meaningful in relationships. And when we go and we see things like this happen, the gospel becomes very real to people. Jesus uses it in a way uh, that just sending money probably could never do. Um, I pray that when Joseph sees the scripture that says, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you, he will understand that, yes, God did come to me. He sent a nine-year-old boy from Odessa, Texas to come and meet me so that I would know who this mighty God is. So I told Chris Harrington that next year we don't have a choice. We have to go back to this village <laughs> because uh, we have to see how Joseph is doing. And we're going to keep that relationship going. So I'm ready to be back. Perfect. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Mama Sarah. That's what the people call Mama Sarah. So. Um, all right, and now it's time for uh, Jaja Francis, which, uh, where's, where's Francis at? There she is. In, in Lugandan, um, Grandma is Jaja, and so we kind of adopted Jaja Francis over here. She took care of everybody while we were, while we were gone, she, especially my dad. If you want to know your dad, travel around the world with him. So. 
Kole. <laughs> okay. Why I went to Kenya. Struggled four years with this decision. Okay. Uh, I went to Kenya because it was a mission field. that one of my boys wanted to be at at, what, at some time in his life. <laughs> but God had different plans. Okay. He had Emmanuel Baptist <laughs> go on that, <sighs> to that country. And it was Kenya. He studied Kenya in the first grade. Mission was in Mission France during that time. Um, he, loved mission, he loved the mission field. And and he practiced it here at home. Many people came to know the Lord because of, of Zach. And many strangers came up to me after Zach went home. Um, that I didn't even know Zach had shared the word with them when they were much older than him. That's why I went to Kenya. And as I was there in Kenya, as I played with the children, I prayed with the children, prayed over them, because, I mean, some of them did understand the language, some of them didn't. And the ones that did... Uh, they did ask a few questions, not very many. Uh, we, were, uh, we were at the school, they asked more questions about how God has worked in my life. You know, I had a little, uh, I guess he was probably 11, and uh, he, he did ask, how has God worked in my life, and how is it serving God in the United States? Uh, I shared a little bit about that to him, and how we weren't as bold as, should, as we should be here in the United States in spreading God's word. As we are there for some reason, we just don't feel as comfortable uh, bringing that subject up to non-believers as we really should bring, more, bring that up more with the non-believers and anybody we come in contact with. Uh, we talked a little bit about that and then um, those that didn't understand the language, I just enjoyed how the Lord just led me to pray over them. And that one day that in their language, they come to hear God's, God's word. And then I would look around and I would see our team. And in every corner and every area, you would see one of the team members sharing, uh, loving, just loving, building relationship. Like Sarah said, that's the most important thing. That's why we go uh, they can hear God's word through materials we send over there, blessing them with money. Um, but then those pastors that do take the initiative of taking leadership in their villages and uh, spreading God's word and with no pay, that's, I mean, they do it because of the love that they've come to know with God. Um, do it because they love the Lord and 
I'm sorry, I've just lost track. Uh, it's the relationship. Us going back over there and, and them knowing that we do care enough. We don't just send the money. We just don't send uh, pamphlets. We just don't, you know, uh, have uh, people go and build their homes or get a little group of uh, Canadian people to come to their village and build their home. We're actually there in action with them. Uh, and once a year, I don't feel like it's enough, but the time that we do, that they, the team's been going and the time that what I experienced, it's good enough for them. Seeing this that once a year. Uh, and the blessing that I got from it too is that because of that relationship that our team keeps going back and back, they are doing what God leads them to do. We, we step into a village that we're familiar with, with the pastor that was with us. And, and the pastor knew their business. And, uh, and like, let's go back to the children as I played with them and, and loved on them and their mothers would come up and we would, like I said, talk as much as we could, but they knew what, you know, who I loved and who I served and they, and they felt that, I feel like. And, uh, and the ones that are believers, the joy that they have, no matter what they have, what they don't have, what we think is necessary here, and they don't have, I mean, they're joyful. And that's what we need to get to a point is just being joyful and content with what we have because we have God. We have everything we need to serve and love the Lord. And we have the freedom. And we have family members that love on us, uh, people that, that uh, are there to care for us. The young kids, they're cared for by their parents. When we have kids in Africa that don't have any parents to care for them, but then they still have that joy, and it's because they've heard of the Lord, and it happens in the schools. When they get to go to school, they get to hear God's word, and and that's something we need to get back to here in, in the United States. Uh, well, um, Matthew 28:19 it talks about going out there. Uh, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. I surely, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And that's what we leave there, is that they know that God is with them. When we go and touch base with them, rebuild a relationship with them. And the relationship that Chris has with JB is, is priceless. Uh, seeing those two say goodbye to each other until another year was priceless. They, in, in that one thing that they have in common is the Lord Jesus Christ and, and the love. And then another thing in John uh, 15, 15, I shared this one of the nights that it was my turn to share is I no longer call you servants 
because a servant does not know, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. We are friends with the Canadian people and those people in the villages because we are no longer servants. Once we accept the Lord Jesus Christ, he is our friend, and we need to share that friend by sharing the gospel. Thank you, Francis. Right, Jason, do you want to come on up? One of the cool parts about ministry and getting to lead a team and put a team together is just the individual people and their stories. And Francis is my, I love Francis's story. Oh, I guess you need that, huh? All right, this is Jason Westfall. I've only been a member at Emmanuel for about a year, almost to the day. And uh, this church has amazed me at how they're loving and accepting. So one of the first people that asked me to go to Kenya was Tyler Mintz because we work together. And I thought, well, that's something cool, but that's something other people do. That's, I'm an ordinary guy. I don't, I don't do things like that. So I just let it go. And then about a couple months later, we had dinner with the Rays. And they asked again, and I thought, you know what, I'll go. I have no idea what I'm going to do, but I'll go. The strange thing was, is within a week of me deciding to go, I was fully funded. And I thought, wow, God, God must really want me to go. But I still struggled with, I don't know how God will use me. I don't know what my purpose will be there. And I struggled with that up until the day we left. And then the trip came, and as you know, our travel plans didn't go as planned. Um, I'd actually wrote in my journal the, when we got to their Saturday night that the plans didn't go like we thought. We had to go to Amsterdam and then take a different flight to Nairobi and got to Nairobi and we didn't have a flight to Kasumu. And for the first time I thought, I'm trapped in a third world country. <laughs> but it was the first time I got to experience God being in control and not me. And I actually wrote in my journal that night that I slept on the floor of the Nairobi airport today, and that was not in the itinerary Chris gave us. <laughs> so the next two days we went, we had a Sunday where we went to a church service, which was amazing, and then we did two days in ministry, and I still had this nagging feeling like, I don't know why I'm here. I don't feel like God's used me. And then that night we had a devotional, and after the devotional, Christian spoke and he spoke, he used the first half of Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. And it hit me at that moment. I just need to be here. Just experience it. 
So the next day I had a different attitude and the next day we went to a hospital and then we went to Jolly Kids. And Jolly Kids was my favorite, my favorite thing we did in the entire trip. Um, God spoke to me when I saw those kids. All he wanted me to do was love on them. I'm there to love on them and to speak the gospel. So I thought, wow, anybody can do this. And then I felt, God, I wanted to speak that day. If we got to go to a village, I wanted to share the gospel, and we didn't get to do it. So I feel like I have unfinished business in Kenya. So I plan on, God willing, going back and hopefully taking my wife and possibly one of my children. But it was amazing to me seeing how God used people in this church. What they did while they were there and how God changed me, changed my family forever. When I read Psalm 46.10 now, it means something different to me. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations, and I will be exalted in the earth. So, like I said, God willing, I'll be back next year to do my part. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you, Jason, Sarah, and Francis. Um, that's why I like for our team members to speak is because you see how it impacts the individual and then it can impact the family. And so I may have to charter a plane next year. I don't know. <laughs> so, but that's okay. Um, and so we're just going to scroll through some pictures here um, as, as I just kind of close down. I know you heard, heard a couple of them talk about travel woes, you know. Unfortunately, the team had to pay for my lesson in the whole trip. I'm the guy that likes to be in control and have the itinerary and mark stuff off the list. God had other plans. We missed the flight, and then when that happens, it just kind of dominoes. And so we basically lost a day of ministry. Um, we saw it as losing a day of ministry, but I think through that day, everybody was ministered to in some way. And so that was kind of one of the things. Um, this picture here, we were playing soccer against some of the kids, and it was America zero and Kenya like five or six. Um, I just want to give a shout out to our team. I know this trip we faced a lot of different things that we haven't had faced in the past, and I want you to know, church, the team handled it in stride. Not one time did anybody complain. Um, there were, we went for a long time without sleep, and it was good. It was, it was, it was really good. You can see here, Bailey's painting fingernails. And so as they were doing that, um, several of us would go out to the village doing door-to-door -door ministry. And you could always tell who had been over at the main area because they had painted fingernails. And so they, they really loved that. That was cool. And there's Macy uh, doing that as well. Um, I do want to, again, thank you, ladies, the ladies' ministry. Um, I don't know if you know it or not, but we baked, the, the ladies' ministry baked cookies, and we took a whole case of cookies. It was 70 pounds or 65 pounds of cookies. Um, you can see it here. We packed them in Rice Krispies. We took them over there. It was a huge hit. 
Um, they were a little sweet for some, but it, I was sitting with the Kenyan pastors, and they were actually taking those cookies, breaking them in half, and dunking them in their chicken soup juice. And so, you know, it was good. And so this is a cool picture, a cool story here. Um, you can hear about it one of these days, I hope. But these men are elders in a village that Chris Ray had the opportunity to share the gospel with. And these men ended up pledging their village for the Lord, which is huge there. And so um, I know Shem, which is Jared Okello's brother, has already followed up with them. They've actually agreed for us, for Rana's ministry, to build a church in that village. And so just continue to pray for that village as they uh, proceed forward with that. Um, one of the things that was really cool this year is we had um, Josiah and Lexi, uh, you know, Lexi Condry, which we called it Sister Lexi and Josiah's Choir. They actually led all of our music in the villages and everywhere. They did an amazing job at that. Um, you know, we had the little Bluetooth speaker, and so when we would play the music and the music would come out of the air, everybody was like, whoa, what is this? What is going on? And, but it was really neat. And so Josiah and Lexi did, a, did an amazing job of ministering to the kids. And this is Lexi and Josiah actually leading music in a high school, what they call uh, secondary. Um, and so they were leading music there. Um, I don't know how, this is Jessica Paris. She's actually presenting the gospel to a group of high school students as well. Um, Christian and a chubby baby. The guy in the background to the left, his name is Peter. That's First Peter. There's a bunch of Peters over there. And so that's First Peter. He's, he's one of the pastors that we work with. And that's, um, I think that's Second Peter's son you're holding. Is that right? Yeah, that's Second Peter's son. First Peter in the background, Second Peter's kid. This picture is a picture inside of the Jolly School. This is just a, a place where these kids can come and feed and get fed um, during the week. And a special kind of treat that we do for them when we go Normally they get beans and rice. Um, we've made peanut butter sandwiches and went and bought a bunch of little bottles of juice. And so it's a really good treat for them. You can see that picture. You saw the picture earlier of Francis sitting on the floor with the little kid. There's a little kid sitting there eating. And he was having a hard time eating with utensils. And so Francis just plopped down on the floor in the dirt and fed him. It was an amazing thing. That's one of my favorite pictures from the trip. And so these, these are cars um, at the Jolly Nursery, uh, Mr. Darby um, made cars that he whittles out of wood, and he made about 40 cars, and these kids just have a blast with them. So it's really cool. Flip-flops, you know, y'all you know, are a huge part of our flip-flop ministry while we're there, just donating flip-flops. Uh, this is Tony, and that's Second Peter in the blue shirt, but that's Tony getting to share the gospel in one of the homes that we built. And then this is Pastor JB on the left. Second Peter in the middle, First Peter on the right, and then Christian's half of his face on the other side. <laughs> and then this is at the Nairobi airport during our travel delay, um, just hanging out at the Java house, uh, just waiting for our flight. We ended up having to sit there for like eight hours waiting for a flight into our little uh, country. And there's Josiah and Lexi uh, leading music uh, with the school. That was our first, first school we went to. This is actually the school that Joseph was in that Sarah was talking about. You've never experienced anything like that. until you, I mean, pictures don't do it justice to be amongst the people there. And so um, that's kind of, I know, guys, we could go on forever and ever and ever. These are tentative dates for next year. I have not firmed those up with Rana 
and the people in Kenya, but these are tentative dates for next year. Now, um, it depends on how much interest we have in the trip. Uh, really, a team of 25 is really max when you start going over there and trying to do work. And so if we have to, um, we can look about doing what we did a couple year, years ago. We took two teams. And so it just all depends on interest from you, uh, if you how, how, how much time we spend and what we do over there. And so let me make sure I'm not missing anything. Um, just a little bit about the ministry. Rhonda Jordan is here today. She, she, she heads the ministry up from Farmington. Um, she's sitting down here on the front. Uh, one of the cool things about this ministry is that Jared Okello and Madhu, which we have been working with them now for almost four years, three or four years, they're actually going to be here in the church on September 13th. They're flying over from Kenya. This is Madhu's first time to come to the United States. And so they're going to be here September 13th. Um, and so just kind of save the date. Not exactly sure what the date is going to look like yet, but they will be here. Um, so I'm really excited about having them in the church. Um, so, man, out of time. I wish we could just keep going and going, but we can't. Um, and so, guys, from what, what you heard today, this is why we go. It's like Sarah said, we could send money, we could do all these things, but relationships is why we go. Building relationships with our brothers and sisters there is just key to what we do in Kenya. You know, this church has a, a rich history of missions. I see Brother Bill and Dorothy um, back on the back row back there, and, um, you know, Brother Bill sent missionaries around the world. He went around the world uh, several times, and so that's something that we as a church have always done, and we're going to continue to do. And so it doesn't matter if you can never go, but you can always do something. You can, you can give uh, to support our teams and to support our friends in Kenya. You can, you can go. You can pray. You, you always have a part in the ministry. Um, and so that's not something that I ask you to do. That's something that Jesus commands us to do. And so as we close the service today, um, if something that was said has spoke to you, if you need prayer, if it has nothing to do with Kenya, if you just need some prayer, if you want to think about joining the church, if you, uh, anything at all, um, me and Corey will be down here at the front. And so as Tyler and the band is coming up and getting ready, um, I know this is a little different today, and I hope you enjoyed hearing just a little glimpse of what goes on in Kenya. Um, because I promise you, this is just the surface. Uh, this is just the surface. And on the 13th, hopefully we'll get to go more in depth about what we do and what goes on in Kenya. And so as Tyler leads us, if you need to make a decision or you need to talk to me or Corey, just come on down and we will visit with you. Thank you.